Hey everybody, I wanna give you a gift before we dive in. If you're at the beginning of your content marketing journey or if you've been doing it a while but it's not working as well as you want and you feel like something is missing, I wanna give you a roadmap to help you get more ROI out of your content. This is my blog remix method and it's a shortcut to go from one blog to dozens of pieces of content in less than 60 minutes. Even if you have webinars, podcasts, and video content, you can take the transcripts and follow the guidelines in the exact same way. It's a great resource. It's free. You should have it. If you haven't downloaded it already, grab it right now at justinsimon.co slash remix. If you're listening to this podcast feed, you can click the link right below and download it. Get it, read it, apply it. It takes you step-by-step step to get more value out of your blog content and get it in front of your audience. So grab the guide, get a blog, and get it running. That's my blog remix method, and it's free at justinsimon.co slash remix. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, I want to thank my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm. All right, let's get in the show. Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. Very fun episode, bringing on my first guest here, uh, my friend Jess Cook, to chat over how to get more views on the content you're creating. And make sure to stick around because we're also going to talk about the measurement side of distribution and repurposing and how we can take some of the gray out of what we're doing when we actually focus on distributing and repurposing our content. So Jess, welcome to the show. Hey, Justin. Thanks so much for having me, fellow Michigander. Absolutely. Mitten State. Uh, absolutely love it here in the cold winter. <laughs> I can't wait to go to Florida in a few weeks. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those. So I think to start, I know we had chatted about this a little bit, just chatting before the show, but I would love to talk about the bulk of the show around what we've sort of Again, coined, I don't know, like we need a name for this. I think you mentioned it on one of your podcasts as well. We'd be remiss if we didn't give Jonathan Bland some credit here from Omni Labs in terms of coining this, but the term repurposing multiplier. So how the heck do we think about measuring the content we're repurposing? I think sometimes I know for me, I can be guilty of it too in terms of like, well, it's just a brand play or, you know, when we're repurposing, like we just want to get our <laughs> our brand out there, our message out there. We want to repeat, which all of those things sound great, but the, at the end of the day, you do need some sort of way to think through the KPI. So maybe talk through the, the idea of the content repurposing multiplier and how you started using it. Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. So I think the first time I ever heard kind of this idea brought up was at Demand last fall from the event from Metadata and Jonathan Bland was speaking and he had this really great slide that was like how we got, I think it said something like 16x or 17x more people to see our webinar, right? And just the idea that like they had taken this piece of content and broken it up into clips. They had dropped it into some emails, dropped it into social, and in doing so had gotten exponentially more people to consume that content. And that was the first time I'd actually seen somebody quantify 
repurposing. And it really stuck in my brain. It's like the slide that really stands out to me from that event. So I started thinking like, this should be a KPI. This should be something that like we bring into our metrics in terms of, you know, my team at Lasso and we start to measure this or hold ourselves at least to some sort of benchmark for it. I don't know if he had called it something or not, but like I just came up with like, okay, let's call this something so we can put it on a slide, right? I'm repurposing multiplier. And that can be kind of the thing that we hold ourselves to. And so, you know, what we really want to do was like be able to report on this and, and make it something that we can bring into the fold every time we're showing what we're doing in terms of repurposing and doing more with less, right? Just not having to create so much new content all the time. So we're already, you know, we want to set like a benchmark. We want to know what we're doing right now, already following kind of the best practices, taking our best content. And then can we increase that? Or do we need to increase that? Like, can we just sit here for a while? And do we feel happy with kind of where we're at? So what we did was we went back and we looked at Lasso has a podcast called Corralling the Chaos. Lasso, by the way, is a event production software. So event production companies need a place to schedule crew and pay crew and manage projects and all of that. So we have a, a really great platform specifically for that industry. So we have this podcast called Corralling the Chaos. And we wanted to see like, okay, you know, we only have so many subscribers. And, you know, for a very niche B2B podcast, as expected, that subscriber list is pretty small. But the content is incredible. What we get out of there is great. And so what we do, pretty standard, we we find the best clips and we're putting it out in social. And so we kind of went back and we had all of those clips tagged as from Corralling the Chaos. And so we were able to see through repurposing in social, through putting those things in the uh, newsletter every month, we had a multiplier, repurposing multiplier of 11.5x. So in like real numbers, people who consumed the full episode of the podcast, it was like just over 2,000 people. And in Q4, people who actually consume the podcast after repurposing, plus those folks who actually listened to the whole episode was closer to like 25,000 people, right? And so that's really exciting. Okay, now we know like 11, 11 and a half X, like that is a really good baseline. Let's at least stick to that. Or maybe that becomes a goal for us in the future. We're going to try and increase that to 14, 15, so that we're getting more out of what we're doing already. Yeah, totally, totally. And it's interesting. I've seen some of the same stuff even with the show in terms of trying to quantify what I've been doing so because same, right? Like you're trying to build this podcast. It's a, whether it's a podcast, a newsletter, blog, a YouTube channel, like when you start, you've only got so much audience there unless you're going to get that content out. It's the whole purpose behind this podcast of actually like distributing the things you create, marketing the content you create and being able to get that stuff out there. One thing you said I'm interested in you kind of talking about is you mentioned tagging the Post. So can you talk through the tagging process, what you're doing, what tools you're using, and how people can start to... Because I think part of the trouble with that is you might have, and there's maybe there isn't a silver bullet for it, but a lot of times when you're distributing this content, different metrics, different channels, one's got views, one's got email opens. Like, How do you get all that figured out? Yeah, it definitely is a little bit of like back of the napkin math. However, to streamline it a little bit, HubSpot has this really nice little feature where you can 
create campaigns, right? And really all a campaign in HubSpot is, is like, it's a tag. You just essentially assign a name for your campaign and anything that is associated with that campaign, you tag it as such. So anytime we have a social post that goes out with a corralling the chaos clip, we're sure to tag it, make sure that it falls under that campaign. Anytime we have a newsletter that goes out that contains a clip or a rundown or some sort of information from the podcast, we're tagging it as corralling the chaos. So we're able then to go back and look month over month or quarter by quarter at just impressions on that campaign. Hmm. Now, of course, you have to like make sure if you're using any of that for paid or just little anomalies like that, right? Like you're going to have to kind of go in and exclude those cases. But for the most part, it's a ballpark figure. And that's all we're going for, right? Like, I don't need perfection or like complete accuracy. I'm never going to get it, especially because some of these are YouTube numbers. I can't always see that everywhere. So I have to jump into YouTube and kind of get a ballpark there as well. And then I'm adding all of those things up, right? So it's like, (laughs) I'm just kind of trying to get a nice idea of, are we hitting that benchmark? Could we do a little better? Did we really knock it out of the park this time? I have a lot of like, I don't know, baseball metaphors today for some reason. Spring training. Spring yeah, training is coming up. I'm, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I think, again, attribution is really difficult, but at least if you can get a really good positive signal of like, yes, we're doing it the right way. We're getting the impressions that we want to without having to create new content all the time. Hey, that's a big win. And that's something you can report back, right? Like, then the return on that one piece or the return on that podcast is so much larger than it would be if you just kind of stuck to trying to grow subscribers all the time. Yeah, totally. Definitely. And I think one of the things too with that is, like you said, it's not like a gold standard KPI, like bulletproof metric that you're necessarily going to grab. But what it allows you to do is get a benchmark for your content that you are creating, which in some cases is maybe more valuable than just some, you know, arbitrary like, well, here were our sessions. Like you can actually get and, and on some of these channels, like you like if YouTube, for instance, if you're using YouTube, you can get time watched metrics. You can get audience segment metrics on LinkedIn, for instance, to say, okay, I can not only see how long this video was watched, I can see what titles watched this video to say like, oh, okay, cool. Founders are watching this or like, you know, the folks who are in your particular match, like you can start to extract that data. Again, it's a little bit more manual, but at the end of the day, you can tell a really, really compelling story, which is what I think most content marketers and marketers want to do is be able to tell the story to the rest of the company or to the higher ups to be able to say, look, the stuff we're doing might not be one-to-one attribution. I can't prove that somebody bought this fifty dollars to $100,000 product after watching one video. Of course not. Yeah. That's not how it works. <laughs> but I can prove over time. And again, it's an overtime, long-term investment sort of metric to say, all right, we are dedicated to investing in this podcast right now and we're in it for the long haul. It's not just like a, a quick campaign that we're trying to do in Q1. And so you can do your metrics month over month, quarter over quarter, half over half, year over year, and really start to pull together a bit of a story there to be able to say, wow, we impacted the business in X, Y, and Z way based on literally just repurposing and distributing our content. Absolutely. I think the other thing that's nice about it too is like, that's the benchmark right now for our team. 
for our team size, for our funding. Like once we start to grow, like I would expect that to grow as well, right? And so like that's another thing to consider is, oh, we'll, we'll add another team member on. And now like the expectation should be that's a little higher. You know, maybe not for the podcast. Let's say you bring in a product marketer. Okay, maybe that's not going to be the thing that they're going to focus on repurposing, but you can find another kind of asset or campaign or whatever that maybe is going to be part of their purview, right? And so that overall repurposing multiplier will grow as your team grows. And I think that's really exciting too. Yeah, that's interesting. I think one of the challenges that I have either A, experienced in previous roles and B, experienced when I'm working with clients right now can be depending on the team size, but even a small team, different roles and trying to assist as a content marketer, maybe assist the product marketer to say like, hey, you know, you're doing these webinars a lot. Like, how are you measuring the effectiveness of that or, or making or just having that conversation? I don't know if you like have thought through how to do that or have experienced that in the past, but it, those are usually fruitful conversations with the people that I've had conversations with in terms of like, yeah, I'm totally interested. I'm down because they feel the same pains that we typically feel in terms of like constantly needing to get stuff out, constantly needing to be able to prove value, show that. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I think part of like, yeah, being a great content marketer is making sure that like your stakeholders know that like you are going to help them take whatever it is that they're producing and like you have the ability, you have the knowledge to like get it out there more, right? And I think it feeds kind of both people. I always want more content. I always just want more stuff that aligns with like the pillars we're trying to push and the messaging we're trying to get out into the marketing. And these other teams, growth, product marketing, field, all of that, like maybe they're creating things that like might help me do that. And they want that thing, whatever it is, to like get more exposure, right? And so it's definitely symbiotic. I think there is something to be said for like, hey, you know, outside of content marketing, here's what we're creating. Here's what we've been doing lately. And look at the success that we had just in repurposing alone. Like, you let me know if there's ever anything that you have that I can do that with or I'm also going to let you know, like, ooh, I have this podcast we just did, and we talked a lot about this new product, you know, a problem that our new product solves. Like, maybe this is something that would help you create something, right? So there's really this give and take. It sounds a little bit, like, selfish and like the, hey, I have this thing for you, and you scratch my back, and I'll scratch yours, or however that saying goes, right? And it's like, Mm -hmm. but I think that there's something to be said for making sure that those teams know that like you're hungry for whatever they have and you're going to feed them whatever you have and you're going to help each other out and getting the right things out to more people. Yeah. And I say this all the time. And I think anytime I talk to other content folks or other marketers, other teams, it's sort of a light bulb moment. But working on a team, it's so easy to those silos just naturally happen, even though most people don't want them to, obviously, right? Like you don't want silos in a company. It's very hard to do, especially on a fully remote team. Da, 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 da. There's a whole bunch of reasons why those things happen. But your customers do not care right. and do not know. And do like they have no clue that the growth team is in charge of SEO and paid media and that content is isn't that. It's not that. It's the blog post and it's the podcast. And product actually does the emails that Like there's all these things that these different teams internally do. They don't care. They have no idea. They have no clue that that stuff matters. It's one entity to them. Yeah, totally. It's Lasso. Mm -hmm. I like Lasso. You know what I mean? Or I like Apple. I like, you know, whatever. Pick the company. 
people don't think about the individual silos in terms of how those things go. So yeah, that's a really good point. And I think being able to, I have actually found success too on a small team to say, okay, to be able to work with those folks, because this distribution and this repurposing multiplier, like you said, it doesn't just affect content marketers. Like it affects marketers as a whole to be able to say, like if you were a customer sort of advocacy role or a you know, customer marketer role, and you were in charge of case studies, we need more case studies, we need case studies, we need that. Like, well, rather than having a bunch of case studies that you don't do anything with, or you just sit like have have one or two that you like get right from the jump and then amplify the stats and the data and the, you know, those type of things. Product marketing, same thing. That was a huge thing that we tried to do when I was at Metadata was utilize the existing channels. So like the podcast, for instance, utilize the podcast channel when we knew we had a product release coming out. I would work with, you know, our product marketer to say, okay, what do we have coming? Okay, cool. We won't pitch the feature, but we'll talk about the ideas in that feature or talk through the problems that this yeah. particular product is going to solve, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then it's just at the end, like, yeah, and if you guys, you know, we it gives you link opportunities if you're creating other content and you're writing a summary or you're taking that and turning it into something else to link back to the product. Now you have this very nice tie into the product that you're doing. So being able to repurpose those things is something I don't talk a ton about, especially now that I'm off doing my own thing, but being able to repurpose content and ideas across teams, I think matters a ton. Yeah. Yeah. I love this point you brought up too, because I've always been a a pretty big believer that the day your product comes out, let's say you have a new product, new feature that does a new thing that you've never been able to do before. It should not be the first time you talk about that problem, that thing, right? Mm. It should not be a shock to the market that like you have this. And so I love this idea that you just brought up of like, hey, before that comes out, I need an expert on this problem so we can start seeding that conversation, repurposing, multiplying the consumption of that idea that we are a thought leader there before this comes out. So when it comes out, it's not completely foreign for us to be talking about it, right? And so I think that's where that repurposing mechanism comes in really, really strongly is like, okay, we know this is coming. We need to start talking about it. And we need to, as many people as possible to know that we are a thought leader or an authority in that realm. So it doesn't feel out of left field when another baseball reference, <laughs> when, when this product comes out, I don't know what is wrong with me right now. <laughs> Jess is a massive baseball fan. I have, I have no, I have no uh, I know, like, truth to that. Players, that's the thing. I... <laughs> that might be more than me. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I love the idea to be able to to maximize that. I want to twist a little bit back to the actual repurposing that you're doing. I would love for you to walk through because you, you did touch on it in terms of like the podcast or something. But like, what's your baseline distribution plan when you launch a podcast? Like, you've got this podcast. What do you guys do with that? Well, let me back up even a little bit further. So I think something for us that has been part of the strategy since I started was we start with a narrative. So it's like, okay, we just had a a new product that's actually launching on March 1st, but we announced it a couple of months ago. And so we've been talking about it, you know, for a while now. So we had some narrative around that as a project management tool specifically for the event industry. So we've been talking about project management, best practices around that, mistakes people make, what happens when you have multiple sources of truth for project management, things go awry, right? And so we have all these stories that were like, these feel important to tell. 
Let's see if we can get people on the podcast to talk about that. Let's see if we can get internal SMEs to help us with some blog post opportunities, right? And so we start with the story first, then we move into like, we have kind of two flywheels. We have our blog and we have the podcast. And so those are kind of the two, right? We're our engines that we're like feeding those stories into and we're bringing stuff out of them. So once that's happening... For the podcast, we're finding, you know, a couple of clips for each episode that just feel really, really tight to that narrative, like the soundbite that like delivers, right? A couple of those. Within the blog posts, it's very much about like finding that meaty lesson or lessons within and trying to kind of teach those in social or drop them into a newsletter, right? And so if the flywheels are the podcast and the blog post, distribution mechanisms are LinkedIn, very, very heavily, Twitter, and our newsletter. We do a lot of newsletter and and outreach in terms of we're feeding some of that to SDRs. Like we'll do, you know, a blog post about some survey results that we dug up. Or sorry, the story will be, we did some research, right? We put that into a blog post. We're talking about it on the podcast. We're taking the best bits of those two things, putting it into a newsletter, putting it into social feeding it to SDRs and sales teams so they can back up certain claims or, you know, hey, we understand this problem. In fact, we know 80% of people, blah, 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 right? So these are just kind of like, right, if we're starting at the top, we're just kind of trickling it down into those distribution mechanisms and just finding new and interesting ways to use them. I also am a big fan of like the one-page PDF. I think that's just a nice little give to people without asking for anything. So any way we can take those narratives and boil them down into a checklist, a decision tree, you know, one page that is like a tool for someone um, is another right way we repurpose as well. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. I love the idea of the story. I typically like to guide people in, I call them themes, but it's a very similar idea. It's like coming up with almost in some cases, guardrails to keep your content and your messaging on point throughout any given month or typically like a quarter, like what are these things we know? And it's all of those things, right? It's a, while we're releasing this product, okay, awesome. That's number, that's one, you know, (laughs) you know, we have this, um, we're trying to build this category. Okay. That's two. Like you need to be able to like fill the category bucket there and be able to describe what that is, what those pain points are, all those type of things. And then maybe there's two and three that are more tactical things in terms of that. I think it's something I notice a lot too, even in terms of those themes, but like, it's such an easy thing to trip up, which is if you don't get the stuff right at the top, it doesn't work down below. So you could do all the distribution, all the repurposing in the world, but if you don't have the right content from the jump, none of it matters. And it's one of the biggest gaps is just in like pure content strategy. There's a huge gap in distribution. There's a huge gap in repurposing. But sometimes when you start to peel those layers down, you start to realize like, oh, there's a big gap in the like what you're creating, how you're creating it. Like just having a podcast and cutting up clips, it's not one to one. It doesn't mean that that stuff's going to be able to hit your audience. If you are doing an interview show with CEOs, but you sell medical software. I don't know, like, but you sell a type of, like, you need to be talking to the people who are either selling that type of software or having those pains or whatever, so that when you cut up all those little things, all that content comes off of it. Yes. 
100%. I think people so often start at the tactic. They're like, we need a blog post about this. It's like, well, Mm. what is this? What's the thing? What are we trying to solve for? Who's the audience, right? So like going back to like, is it a blog post? It might not be. It might be... I mean, who 17 million things, right? There's so many formats and options and things we can do now. Like, doesn't always have to be a blog post. And I think that's often something when like outside, people outside of marketing come in and they think like, this is the thing I need to solve the problem that I'm having, right? Or the objection I'm hearing or whatever. And they go instantly to a typical format, right? And it's like, well, wait, let's back up a little bit and figure out, like you say, like the idea, the story, the theme first, because it might not be one thing. It might be multiple things. And we can, and if this is a big enough problem, like let's build a campaign out of it. Let's do a lot of stuff. Let's not just pigeonhole ourselves into one format. Yeah. And understanding how that works, right? (laughs) Just like having flashbacks (laughs) to requests of like, I need a ebook that is titled this, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, okay, uh, we can, we can get, oh yeah, because they knew what they wanted out there, right? And and yeah. going back to the repurposing multiplier, what the repurposing multiplier will do, and it really, you know, it's it's a nice tie into all these conversations we're having because what that will do as a content team and as a content marketer is it will help you build that narrative across the company to why we are doing content in a particular way. Yes. You know, so it's not just like, I don't want to make this piece of content for you, (laughs) you know, which is what it can feel like at times. It's like, no, like I want to be able to build it out into a more holistic campaign or a more holistic part of our overall marketing so that when we create this, it automatically ties into our newsletter. It automatically is going to get into a blog post. You're going to get this. You're going to get that. And on average, we see an 11x multiplier on what we're doing. So when we create this piece of content, we can be pretty sure that we're going to be able to reach X, Y, and Z. And we'll track it and we'll let you know, right? Like being able to have those conversations, you know, it's interesting with the multiplier. Like I even noticed, so I went back just for the first episode of the show. Because I knew we were going to chat about this. And I was like, oh, let's just see. Like, I haven't really like figured out what the multiplier is for this. And obviously, it's one episode, so I don't know. But so small group of folks actually listen, listening to the show relative to the number of email or other audience that I have on LinkedIn and Twitter, et cetera. But so you take that and then you multiply it out between a couple email sends and a couple videos on LinkedIn. And again, this is just one week. And my multiplier for the show was 27x. <laughs> Yeah. Unreal, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was just like, oh my gosh. Like I didn't like, so to be able to like have that framework to be able to show like, and then it just as somebody who's like can dive into the data and get like a little bit obsessed with it at times, but it's like really interesting pieces of data within that, like the video views. So like LinkedIn is notoriously bad for like video content. Like they don't like to promote it, blah, 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 blah. But even in the small amount of video views, you know, I think it was like a couple hundred. So again, like very small, like not a ton. But with two video clips that I shared, the total watch time of two 60 second clips was almost five hours of video watched. Yeah. So the engagement is like... The engagement's massive. And the people who are watching it are sticking around or they're watching it a couple times. You know what I mean? And so it's like, you also can't measure the impact of that. I saw somebody yesterday, I didn't even realize this stat. I have to like look it up. But like the impression on a LinkedIn impression, like on LinkedIn is 0.003 milliseconds of like a bit on the screen. Like, oh, you got an impression. 
But I think being able to drill into those consumption metrics on distribution and for repurposed content, I mean, obviously, if you're doing YouTube, you can really start to dig in and measure some of this stuff. But to say, look, it's not all about we got 300 people to watch this. We got hopefully the right 300 people who are now interested and now they're buying into whatever you're creating, right? Because it's not always as valuable to read a text post than it is to like consume that video content or listen to that podcast or like there's real connections being made in those mediums that don't necessarily happen in other mediums. I think too, what this repurposing multiplier does is like, it is this the tip of the iceberg in terms of this is where we're going to start. We're going to start at a repurposing multiplier. And then we're going to see, okay, where's the bulk of that 11 and a half or 27x coming from? Okay, it's coming from LinkedIn, let's say. Okay, what format is really getting us the biggest bang for a buck in that repurposing multiplier, right? You can start to drill down and find the golden nugget or, you know, that is really the thing that is driving that. Okay, let's double down there. Let's go back and look at the top five pieces that drove that multiplier. Let's repost them again a couple months from now. Let's put some paid dollars behind them. That'd make a great ad, right? So now we're moving away from the repurposing multiplier because we're using it in paid. However, doesn't make it any less effective, right? Yeah, so yeah. that is, I think, what this KPI does, this metric starts to do is like, you really start to think differently about how to measure the effectiveness of your distribution and how to drill down into it further to get even better repurposing ROI. Yeah, and and I think the key too in, in reframing the narrative, like as I'm talking with clients or trying to like work through with other teams in terms of how like finding the true value in it is as marketers, we're so trained at, on performance side marketing and it's very easy to say like, for me, like keywords, clicks, sessions, all of those type of things that you can quantify. It's very nice to, or like page views, man, we got 400 page views on this blog. Like that would be amazing, right? But I I, it's, I find it interesting because, and I like your sort of opinion on this, because I think typically what will happen is we will overemphasize on-site consumption and underemphasize off-site consumption. So I think the repurposing multiplier starts to level that playing field a little bit to where, why are we so amped up about the 400 people that hit our blog post and stayed for 30 seconds versus the 400 that watched 80% of a 60-second clip and now maybe are bought into the idea that we actually wanted to get out into the world. It didn't just yeah. like skim the headlines, you know? like Absolutely. And you just never know, like, what is that little piece of the bigger thing that's really going to catch someone? It might be one of those clips that then gets them to become a podcast subscriber or really like, oh, they have a blog? Oh, it's really good. I'm going to make sure I bookmark that, right? And then okay, now I'm a subscriber to the podcast. I'm going to listen every week. Four months down the road, I'm like, these guys are really smart. I'm going to hit them up. I need this service, right? And so it's just another way to like, it's another touch point. It's another way to, like you say, like get that theme, that narrative out into the market that like, this is what we stand for. And if it resonates, now you've done your job. Now you have multiplied, you have amplified that message and you've done it effectively to like bring people to the next ring of the circle, right? You've gotten them now, okay, into the website or as a subscriber, uh, <laughs> subscriber. <laughs> that is a cyborg. That the subscribes. AI is here. <laughs> <laughs> a subscriber. Uh, they're, they're loyal. They have affinity, right? So that's 
going to work a lot harder for you than like, hey, come look at the website. Hey, mm. you know, I'm going to post a link. I'm going to post a link. I'm going to come subscribe. Like if you're just giving that content away for free, bite-sized, repurposing the best stuff, like it's going to draw people in so much faster. Yeah. And it's a hard shift for us to go from short-term conversion marketing, direct click, da 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 to long-term audience building, trust building content marketing to where somebody comes to you a year from now and says, man, I've been listening to your show for X, Y, and Z. I'm just ready for a call. But how much easier is that call to have? Yes. Than, you know, <laughs> Because they've already bought into your value. They've seen a clip where you talk about this and it, yeah, I believe that, right? Like I, I agree. And so then they became a subscriber or then they read a blog post and like, yeah, these guys make sense. I understand this. This is a problem I have, you know? So they're already sold on what you're selling. And now they just need to see the details, right? They want to make sure that, yeah, it's going to be easy to use and my team will use it. And yeah, where do I sign? Yeah, it's know? a whole other bit of marketing after the or content after the fact, right? Yeah. Like the customer marketing and, and reducing churn and all those type of things. But in order to get people in, it's a, I just see so much value in it. And I think Smart companies want to move that direction, but I think there are still those hangups with attribution, with trying to figure out how the heck we can prove this out, how we can prove value. That's why I loved having you on to talk about the multiplier and being able to like actually walk through a breakdown of how yeah. a company's using it and what they're tracking to. What better way to make your company look bigger than it is, your team look bigger than it is, right? I'm reaching 11 times more people than I would if I hadn't done this. The number of times that people have come to me when I, you know, when I was at Marpipe and they were like, it's just you. <laughs> you know? I was like, yeah, that's one of the best compliments I would ever get because it was like, I'm doing this right then. I'm, I'm making it look like I have a team behind me when I don't. And that means that, you know, I'm doing this right. More people are seeing the message than if I wasn't doing this. And it feels like there's a group of people helping me do that. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. When you set up systems, to actually build a distribution framework that can get your stuff out at scale consistently and you don't have to burn out doing it. Like, because agreed, the best compliment that I ever got as a one person content team was like, oh my God, like you talked to somebody else and it was like, wow, wait, what? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, of course, like I have somebody helping me cut clips. I like, it's not just me doing every single thing, but I've also been a part of much bigger teams who don't get as much done or it's just for whatever reason, right? And so, like, let's be real, like internal politics, this and that, da, da, da. Like there are reasons why things aren't always as effective as they could be. But yeah, being able to show the impact of the content to be able to reach 11x people with the message we want to have versus just the traditional, here's our up and to the right graph of website organic yeah. traffic or something like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not as easy, but you could... Obviously, if you're tagging those things from the jump, if you're being able to like understand how those things are, track them over time, like that would be the the advice I would give to folks too is maybe take a 30-day look back. If you can start to get some of that data based on what you have, it might not be clean if you're not tagging it, but then figure out if it's HubSpot, like I even use Buffer, like cheapo Buffer, like old school tool, like, and you could do the same thing where it's like, you know, for me, I think literally I think it's like 12 bucks a month. So if you're on your own, you want to do this or try it out, like 
you can create campaigns, you can map out all your content, you can figure out what those things, it doesn't tie in like newsletter and stuff like that for social, it absolutely can. And you can kind of under, start to understand over time, like you said, what types of content hit? Is it the videos? Is it carousels? Is it text posts? What channels? What channel? You know, hey, we're getting this in LinkedIn and this in Twitter, like, let's really double down over here. You know? Yes. Yeah. What channels? What messages? So what are those of those themes of those stories? Which ones are resonating? And that's where you can really start to be a effective with your tagging and figure those things out. Like for me, I have sort of weekly themes that run through all my content from a podcast, newsletter, social, and I just repeat those themes. And so I'll tag a campaign around a particular theme or episode or topic for that week. And then I can start to, over time, start to see like, oh man, when I post about this one, it tanks. Okay, no more of that. We're going to like, when I post (laughs) about this, it does really good. Like, okay, let's amplify this. What are the other messages we can do? And that's like the micro versus macro repurposing too, because you can over time start to see like, oh man, when we posted this, it did so good. Let's blow that up into a bigger piece or something like that. Yes, 100%. Yeah. All right, we are uh, we're crushing uh, time on here, so I want to be uh, I want to be thankful, uh, thoughtful of you, but also yeah, and the listeners as well. But Jess, it's been awesome chatting with you. Super pumped so to fun have you chatting on with you as always. the uh, the first guest here on Distribution First. Such an so, honor! I appreciate that. Congrats! Yes, uh, I think this topic is one that people can definitely get more out of and be able to start. Like what gets me excited about this is it actually puts some tangible uh, numbers and some like definitive way to tell the story, to pitch it to your bosses, to show it across your organization in terms of the impact that repurposing and distribution can have outside of just, hey, we're getting in front of our audience more, I promise. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) So awesome. Hey, appreciate it, Jess. Thank you. Thanks, Justin. Yep. See ya. Bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First, and thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so, so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are gonna help you build your brand, 10X your content, and transform the way you do content marketing. Make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.